What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Rich Keefe here, and we got a little bit of a different episode this week, as you can tell by the episode title. I know exactly what you're thinking. What the fuck? What the fuck is this, Dork Vault? Well, not every single episode that we have done has made it to the podcast channel. I guess that's one way of putting it. We have some YouTube exclusives is another way of putting it. Another reason to subscribe to the YouTube channel. What? You have a YouTube channel. I know that took 30 seconds to get a plug in there, but at Dork Podcast on uh, YouTube, just like Twitter and Instagram. And so we've recorded a few that were just for that. And, uh, you know, maybe for a rainy day. And today is that rainy day. Although I can't tell you right now when you're listening to this, perhaps it's raining and I sound like a genius. Perhaps it is not. And I sound stupid as shit. But uh, this is one where I feel like uh, you don't need to wait until Dorktober for horror stuff. I'm a horror guy 24-7. Actually, speaking of, I've been watching a lot of horror movies lately, which is not a new phenomenon, but I've been watching a lot of horror movies. Also, my daughter just had a birthday party recently, so we have a lot of helium balloons in the house. So to say that I've scared the shit out of myself several times, pop it into different rooms, and then there's just like a presence there, like in the corner, and they'll just be floating around, and they kind of move on their own. So, yeah, that's been kind of freaking me out a little bit. But, hey, you know, extra scares. That's not too bad. Um, before we get to this, which was previously recorded, I want to say either last October or maybe even two Octobers ago, um, I do want to hit on a couple of items here. Now that I got you, now that I got you here, thanks for downloading this, by the way, and being a uh, listener and or subscriber to the podcast. But some big news as uh, the DCU casted two major roles going forward. So we have a Superman and we have a Lois Lane right now in James Gunn's uh, Superman Legacy, which is going to kick off the DCU in a couple of years. But David Sweat is going to be Clark Kent Superman. He, the only thing I think I know him from is We Own This City, the uh, David Simon show from uh, a couple of years ago on HBO with John Bernthal, who crushed it, and our guy Trey Chaney, friend of the show Trey Chaney. We have an episode with him. Check the archives for that. And uh, he was like his his police officer partner. He definitely looks like a Clark Kent Superman, so that's fine if you want to keep that whole thing going. He, uh, I believe, is 29 years old, which I thought Gunn wanted to go even younger. Like 29 is young. He's younger than I am. I'm no spring chicken, but they, uh, I thought we're going to go like 21, 22, but they're going 29. And then Rachel Brosnahan is going to be Lois Lane. She is in the marvelous Miss, Mrs. Maisel, which I've never seen, but I've obviously heard of that shows super popular. I think it won a lot of awards, or at least was nominated all the time. So I've heard of it. And again, it looks like a Lois Lane. So I have no overall problem with the casting. I just, from all the reports early on, it felt like they were going to go real young. And which is why they weren't going to go with Henry Cavill, who, despite me not liking Superman or really the Superman movies in this previous universe, Henry Cavill's pretty damn good. Henry Cavill is uh, tough to tough to argue with, with with that role in particular. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll get some more DCU info trickling out as we go on. Now, best news since we last were on the uh, the podcast for me personally and for the other fan of the TV show from. It's getting a season three. I don't want to give anything away because uh, I highly, highly recommend the show. I don't want to 
go overboard because I know that could ruin shows. I've been sold a bill of goods on shows, and sometimes I look at it differently. So I don't want to hype it up. It's clearly not the greatest show ever, but it's fun as shit, and I just really want to see where it goes and like how they're going to pull this off. And it could really land in one of two ways. If they stick the landing on this based on how they've set everything up, it's going to be a fucking awesome all-time show. But anytime you have a show like this where there's so much unknown, there's so many questions, depending on how you answer them or if you don't answer them, could also you could fumble it. Like you could you could Leon let this bad boy. So also, it, like a week ago before they had picked it up for season three, I was like, this is going to be, if they don't, and this is as close as I'm going to get to spoiling it. It is just a, it was a massive cliffhanger at the end of season two. So it would have just been crushing. Like, remember the show Utopia? It's a weird show, but I liked it. Also, I like, I don't think anybody watched it because it got canceled after one season, but the way it ended, you were like, wait, what? We're not going to get a season two. And even Will Forte's show, the, the last man on earth. Now they had multiple seasons at least, but it ended and it was like, oh shit, where are you going to go from here? Nope, just done. So From would have been right there with those shows. And I'm sure there are others. You guys could probably think of shows that were uh, cliffhanger endings. But I, oh man, I love this show. And I guess the best way to do it, now the problem is it's at this point 20 episodes and they're all about an hour. But you can probably get like a free week of MGM Plus. I know it's a tough sell, but. I'd rip it, rip it. And if you like season one, even a little bit, season two to me is better. So I know a lot of people have been tweeting me now saying, you know, halfway through season one, I'm really liking it. Then I would say strap in and strap on because it's only going to get better. Speaking of better, uh, the show, the bear, that's actually gonna be our next episode. So our next full live episode on YouTube, 9 PM, July 9th. Uh, Davey and I will have a regular episode for that. And we're going to do season two of the bear and holy smokes. I know it's been kind of overboard and like oversold maybe if you haven't seen it yet, but there there's an hour long episode in this season and it's episode six. And this is the one where you get like big time cameos. You may have read some of the casting report before the season came out. It's in this episode and it is insane. It is so well done. It's so chaotic. It's got a lot of the anxiety from season one, which didn't have as much of it in the, the first handful of episodes. And then this one is wild. Like I, holy smokes, did I enjoy this episode? You know what? We might have to make a separate or a new dorky, nominate a new dorky award at the end of the year. Not just best TV show, which I would think this is going to be in the mix for, but best episode. Because off the top of my head, there was the that one episode from The Last of Us with Nick Offerman. There was the Logan Roy episode from Succession. There's this one, I'm trying to think, maybe like one of the best ones from Dave uh, this year. So there's been a lot of really, really good, good shows. But anyway, so next week we'll do The Bear. Uh, I did. I asked on Twitter if anybody had seen Infinity Pool. I didn't realize this was in theaters early, earlier in the year. It's now streaming on Hulu. And uh, just weird. It's Cronenberg's kid is the director. And this is his third movie that he's done. Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth, who you would recognize from uh, X and Pearl. Now, my question with her is, does she, like, shave her eyebrows so 
like she's scarier, like kind of more off-putting to look at, or it fits the roles, or does she just maybe just has like a really thin eyebrow? I don't know. To each their own. She's also nude in it, if you're interested in that, and I bet that you are. But Infinity Pool's weird. Like, I, I don't have it super high on my list for movies of the year, which I'm now all of a sudden have really started to pile up because halfway through the year, we got a whole bunch of the stuff that came out the first three, even four months is like now all streaming. So take whatever times I've been to the theater and then add all these Hulu, Prime, Disney Plus, HBO releases. So it's weird. Like, if you like a, if you like a really messed up horror movie, kind of a trippy one, you know, it's shot kind of funny at times. Yeah. I, 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 it's a soft recommendation. I don't want to hear anybody be like, oh, you told me to watch it. No, I didn't. I didn't tell you to watch it. I just said, if you're into sort of the weird horror, this is that. I'm not, I, I wasn't blown away by it, but I don't know. Skarsgård's pretty sweet. So and that's Infinity Pool. And I immediately, like everybody else, probably think of like an Avengers Deadpool crossover with Infinity Pool, but either way. All right, speaking of comics, oh, my God, look at that segue. You'd think it's like it was scripted. Uh, we have this episode's top 10 horror comics, and like we've done in the past with some of this where we've uh, not just me and Davey, we got Dr. Joe and Nick Fryer from the TLDR podcast. You can subscribe to their podcast. They also are on YouTube, and uh, I think they're on Twitch, and you can find them in a bunch of places. But we all put together a list of our 10 favorite horror comics. Now, this might be updated if we did it today. I'm sure there might be a couple of new ones that would crack this list. And uh, these are the results. So we're going to jump right into it. Of course, it's me. It's Davey Eyeballs and uh, Fryer and Dr. Joe. The Dort Podcast. Rich Keith. It's the Dort Podcast. Ryan Davey. It's the Dort Podcast. Hashtag. It's the Hashtag Dort Podcast. You guys today had a chance to speak with uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, two of the all-time legends, so that is a thrill. Looking forward to listening to that. That is available. By the time people are watching this, that will be available. Uh, you guys can plug that at the end, tell people where to find it, but I know I'm very excited, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some Scott Snyder on this very list. Ooh. So before we get into our top 10, and it's very similar to the uh, top 10 Batman comic books that we did, we all came up with a list of 10, then I combined them up, and uh, did the math on it, did the tiebreakers, did all of that. And we have a nice list of 10. We have a whole bunch of uh, honorable mentions to get to as well. But let's go around real quick. And Davey, when you hear the term horror comic book, what is it that applies or what would make it a horror comic book to you? So there'd have to be some sort of macabre, mm -hmm. right? There'd have to be some sort of like uh, horror elements to it. There, you know, I'm thinking like monsters or some sort of supernatural or psychological thing to it. Um, there is a bit of a gray area though here. Yes. If, so if, and we went back and forth and this isn't a, I'm looking at the list right now. Um, so it's not, so there's a lot of like Batman comics that could have been considered for this, but yeah. since it's Batman, we kind of, I think we left them all off the list, but um, like spawn has I, I absolutely has horror elements to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I love spawn. That's a great call. But I would be, but again, I mean, that's kind of like an anti-hero comic mm -hmm. as opposed to horror. So, you know, I don't oh, know. Let's think. throw it out there. What do you guys yeah, think? I mean, for, I, I'm a pussy, so pardon my French, but anything where I have to read in the day, you know, I considered, uh, you know, horror. Like, because when I read it at night, if it like keeps me up all goddamn night, you know, uh, but I, you know, along the same lines, you know, 
anything that's you know got a lot of bloodshed in it that's that's a bit gory or it's dealing with more of the supernatural things uh you know for me um and so like when i picked horror books i picked something that was more story driven and more character driven versus like i mean there were some batman books i did consider you know uh mm-hmm. last night on earth uh you know batman who laughs you know, some, some of those other batman stories where there's there's you know, horror imagery but i didn't consider them a horror story if that makes sense so I need something that makes me say a couple times like, oh, fuck, in the course of all this. Like if I'm not getting an oh, fuck out of this, then it's like, I mean, like that I'm not really getting that scared. And there's one book in particular that has like jarring images and a lot of viciousness that's high up on our list. And not, and it is still on my list, but that's kind of that kind of falls under that category where it's like, yeah, it's kind of scary. But like some of this other shit's like like straight nightmare fuel. Yeah. And like Joe, I bust Joe's chops for being scared shitless of some of this stuff. But it's like. I read some of these things like, you know, that were like uh, one story arcs re- fairly recently. I'm like, I don't think I can read all this fucking shit at night. Yeah, no, that's definitely one way of looking at it. I looked at it with the way we did our uh, horror movies top 50 last year, too, where there's a lot of like, you know, personal opinion on that. So some we would get in an argument like it's a thriller. It's a horror. It's a horror thriller. You're like, all right, well, whatever it is to you. And I think the that test of kind of either reading it by yourself or just thinking about it after the fact and be like, oh, that was that was pretty scary like mm-hmm. and, that's me. and sometimes it might just be the art like mm-hmm. there's yeah. one book that i don't think made the list uh overall but it was on my list that was pretty high and it was more so because of the art and so we can get into that i say we dive in we'll do 10 through 2 and then we'll rip off some of our honorable mentions and then we'll crown number one and it's a pretty interesting list too uh and again with four people voting on it i think it's i think it covers a lot there are a couple of old old timey classics that we didn't have on there mm-hmm. that I think other lists may have. This might be a little bit more new aged, a lot of newer books on there, mm-hmm. recent spies, etc. But let's dive in right now at number 10. And uh Fryer, you go out, go ahead and give this one out. So this one was my absolute number one with a bullet. And this is the first book I ever talked about on TLDR, the very first episode, John Constantine Hellblazer, City of Demons by Cy Spencer. Not Cy Spurrier and Sean Murphy. Of course, this is Vertigo Comics, which is, of course, it was a DC imprint. Uh, Sean Murphy is one of my absolute favorite comic book creators, period. He's done a lot more writing over the past few years and love his stuff. But this was really, I don't know if this was my first uh, exposure to him, but either way, I love this book. And this is the book, like, I have two books that I say to everybody, you should read this. Like, if you're interested in trying comics out, read this, because obviously we all know Constantine is a real bastard, right? So we get a little bit of that in this. This is a standalone series. It's only five issues, so it's really easy to consume, and it's pretty fast-paced throughout the majority of it. Um, and I think I don't necessarily think this is the absolute scariest thing on here, but there is a real, like, ah, fuck it, shit, at the end of this this uh, series. And I'm like, jeez, I did not see that coming. And there's, like, Sean Murphy's art is pretty jarring, too. I know uh, The Wake is something that could have been up for consideration here as well. That's a you know, book between him and Scott Snyder. I didn't put that on my list because it was only you know half horror and the rest is like this futuristic thing. But just a quick little synopsis for everybody. Uh, when John Constantine is run over by a truck, it takes a little while for England's nicotine-fueled Magus to realize that he's perched between life and death. After a few weeks of hospital rehab, Constantine finds the London streets very different from when he left behind a uh, series of occult murders and mutilations uh, demands his attention. Yeah, I would say Constantine, Swamp Thing, Justice League Dark, it all kind of applies. Like It's definitely all very horror-themed. And I'm, I'm glad we had a Constantine book on there because you definitely could have gone... Like, some of the really dense Hellblazer stuff, like the Garth Ennis stuff is good. Mm-hmm. 
but it's kind of hard to pay. Like it's just so much of it. There's too. so much. Yeah, he just needed to be represented on this list. He's one of those. He's one of the best horror characters of all time. One of my absolute favorite comic book characters. Like top five, easy in my right. mind. He might be top three. Yeah, same. And the other thing too that um, if you wanted to see this in another format too, Fryer and I, I know you have talked. You and I have talked about it on the side. This is mm -hmm. one of the better DC animated. Mm -hmm. You can watch it on HBO Max right now. It's still the something you get something lost in the artwork of the of DC's animation, but um, the story is still there and the story is phenomenal. So if you check out City of Demons on HBO Max too, couldn't recommend both more. Yeah, awesome. I I got to read this and, and and it might be a lot higher had I read it. It was only on Friar's list, and like he said, he had it number one. Joe, wasn't on your list? I I. Bumped it for the book that's going to be uh, number six on the list. And, I, and I, I think it was an honorable mention for me. It was an honorable mention. I It, it just because I was like, oh, shit, I forgot. I got to put this book on there. Something's got to go. And I'm not as attached to Constantine as you are. I, when I read this book for the first trade on TLDR, uh, I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. But that was only really the only Constantine I've ever read. So... I had so many good books I wanted to put on this list. But, I mean, it made the honorable mention, so it definitely made an impact. Hey, breaking news. Today's episode of TLDR was the last one. We're going out on a high <laughs> note. <laughs> All right, Davey, number nine. Uh, number nine. So I am a huge fan of kind of like offbeat vampire um, tales. Um, we'll talk about that later in the episode. But, I mean, I, I think of movies like um, Let the Right One In, and like other vampire movies of that, uh, what was the other one? Crossland or Stakeland, which is another one. The Night um, Flyer. Night Flyer. I didn't want to mention it. Someone else, oh. but you did. Um, and one of the best <laughs> horror comics I've ever read is um, 30 Days of Night, mm -hmm. uh, which was, I have it right here. It was written by uh, Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith and other people. They were the people who created it. Um, and it tells the story of vampires who travel to Barrow, Alaska, where it's night for an entire month. And it's one of those stories where you're like, fuck, why didn't I think of that? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a that's a perfect, of course, of course, vampires would go to Alaska mm -hmm. and feed for an entire month. Like, and what a what a horrifying thing to have like this, like little snowed in town that you can't leave. That's just completely infested with vampires. Um, the movie with Josh Hartnett, also good. One of my yeah. favorite vampire Pretty good. movies other than the Night Flyer. Right. Um, <laughs> but I love one of the things I really like, too, is that the in the movie and in the comics like vampires have like their own language mm -hmm. and, and in the movie actually it's it's horrifying it's like a series of like hisses and like weird sounds yeah it's awesome yeah um but just a really cool vampire versus a town kind of like it's kind of got like a seven samurai vibe to it too um so if you guys are into vampire stories and creative ones at that 30 days of night is awesome. so when did this come out? Because this completely escaped me. I'm going to have to hoopla the shit out of this. This it, it, came out. The hoopla too, Joe. And make sure this is one of those stories where there's like a million kind of like spinoffs and a billion yeah. like, oh, they took it from here. But the original book, like the one that the movie was inspired off of, what is it? Like three or four issues, Davey? It's really it's it's a quick read. It's a quick read. And it came wow. out in 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I wasn't even reading. I was on a you know, big you know comic break at that point. I'd stopped reading. So it, no wonder why it uh, it eluded me. But that that premise is absolutely fantastic. Like, yeah, why hasn't like anyone else thought of this? Because right. it's the absolute <laughs> perfect thing. Yep. So that one was number four on Davy's list. It was number seven on mine, uh, and ended up being number nine here. So number eight. Let's go to Doc. 
So uh, this book is is an absolute barn burner, and so I uh, so number eight is Philadelphia, written by Rodney Barnes. Uh, the artist, which the art in this book is out of bounds. It's uh, Jason Son um, Alexander. Uh, colors are by Lewis uh, NCT, and uh, the letterer is uh, Marshall Dillon. And so I remember when this book first came out. I mean, I was I was immediately hooked from the first issue, and I tell everyone who I know that reads comics, if you haven't read this book, go out and read it. And and Nick and I just recently, you know, talked to Rodney, which uh, that will drop sometime soon, because he's got a spinoff of this book called Nina oh. Hawes, uh, oh, nice. Nightmare Blog. It's better. I think it's better. better. Yep. Really? It's even yes. better. Like paranormal, you know, detective type shit, okay. you know, set, set in this world. So, you know, uh, when a small town beat cop comes home to bury uh, his murdered father, uh, a revered Philadelphia detective, James Sangster Sr., uh, he begins to unravel a mystery that leads him down a path of horrors that will shake his beliefs to their very core. So this is a vampire book, and it's a bit of historical fiction as well because the you know, the main vampire that you're introduced to right from the rip is uh, the second president of the United States, John Adams. Master's his own. That's right. And the, 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 the evolution of him is, you know, you get from when he first becomes infected as a vampire to where we are current day. That in itself is a, is a rad story. And then all the, the, you know, his plan to take over the world and all the side characters you meet, there's some, there's some fucked up characters in this and, and is, and is menace at toppy and, um, um, uh, uh, the one with the mask there, Friar. Um, oh, Jupiter. Yes, Jupiter's uh, so Jupiter. fucked up. They're so fucked up. Um, but you know, when you get to parts of their stories, you you actually kind of root for them a bit, and I think that's part of the things that makes this vicious, ferocious vampire story uh, so enthralling is the characters themselves. And Joe, just to I'm taking notes right now. I haven't read this title yet, but just. Yeah. Is Abraham Lincoln, in fact, a vampire hunter in this? No, case? and I think I think Ryan well, actually not that, that we know he's of. He's not. He's exactly. not. Okay, thank you. He's yes, not. because we do we do see a second dead president a little bit later on, Davey. Not to spoil anything for you, yeah. won't tell you who it is. But there are at least two dead presidents that pop up in this. In Jupiter, so if if we can nail down whether or not Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, is mm -hmm. canon. Mm -hmm. and yeah, we should we should probably do that i'm disappointed in ourselves so we haven't asked rodney that yet i know i, I thought he mentioned something like that but i mean it's, that would have been yeah. the first question i asked him right, right. So in your world this is one of those horror stories where I, it, it's vampires and i mean enough cannot be said about the art because you know in, in comics like if you can have a really good story you can have really great characters but if the art is kind of so-so it can take away from the book a bit Mm. Um, but this is a case where, you know, the art, not just, you know, really gives you that great horror visual, but really elevates it at the same time. So you've got these historical, you know, uh, pieces to it and, and, and where Rodney takes the story and we're still what 17, 18 issues in and he's still going. Now we're starting to get spinoffs. I mean, if, if you're a vampire guy, David, I know Keith started reading it. I mean, yeah. this, this is a can't miss book. Okay. So I liked it. I've read the first two volumes and my I just missed my list because I basically went with more completed stories. Yeah. Mm, I assume like once it's done, once I read the whole thing, like, there's a good chance to be on there. But I was like, all right, let me at least there's enough books that I've read start to finish that I wanted to put on there instead. But uh, it was number five on Friars list and number five on Doc's list, and it's number eight. So on good. Ours. Uh, number seven, we're going with Nailbiter 
Mm. Written by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. It's a 30-issue run that was written between 2014 and 2017 from Image Comics. Uh, I know Davies talked about it on Dork before. And it's uh, the series centers around the fictional town of Buckaroo, Oregon, which has produced 16 of the United States' worst serial killers, dubbed the Buckaroo Butchers. Its most recent creation is Edward Charles Warren, otherwise known as Nailbiter, because he chews off his victims' nails and part of their flesh. By the series start, Warren has been caught by the FBI uh, and Charles Carroll, or Agent Charles Carroll, and Carroll has since gone missing, leaving up to his friend and NSA agent Nicholas Finch to search for him. Uh, it's awesome. And I fully admit, I know it's kind of weird to be interested in serial killers, but there are a lot of people like me that are, just mm-hmm. like all these Netflix uh, documentaries and all these podcasts that are out there. But this sort of uh, is right up your alley, if that's what you're looking for. It just kind of highlights all the – and they, all the serial killers have, like, a corny nickname. Yep. They all have, like, a way like – like a calling card. And it's a really – it's 30 issues, but it is a quick, quick read. It's available on Hoopla right now, and you can get all – I think they split up into t- uh, three books of 10 issues each. I have not read Nailbiter Returns. There's, like, a sequel to this. Yep. But this one uh, I liked very, very much. It was number – five on my list uh davey had it at number nine on his doc had it at number seven on his not on fires list had not read it yet no and yeah. this is one of the if you're into mind hunter yeah. silence of the lambs plus horror movies this is this is for you mm-hmm. and there's you're, great comedy in here too yeah. right there's, there's some moments of levity and and uh nail biter returns i was very good i wasn't as good as the the the, the original run but i think it was only 10 issues 10 11 issues okay it was real yeah, short um but just as good it pretty much just kind of picks up right where it uh the first one left off and it is i mean it's just as crackers but what a great premise you know this this book is yeah i i love it and very likable characters in there as well people people are root for pretty easily uh all right doc for number six so number six i went uh we have red fork and this was a book very very high on my list and uh when when nick gave me this book to read I, this is one of those books where i couldn't put it down and even though it was like nine or ten o'clock at night and i was absolutely mortified when i finished uh it was it was just that good so this was written by alex pacnadel artist uh nil uh vendrel colorist gila brusco and the letterer was ryan ferrer uh so quick synopsis not so quick uh, returning to Red Fork, West Virginia, with a, with a laundry list of sins to make up for, ex-con Noah McGlade finds his coal mining hometown blighted by opioid abuse, economic decline, and a family that wants nothing more to do with him. Tragedy seems to follow on Noah's heels, as no sooner does he st- uh, step foot in his home, his younger brother is trapped in a mining collapse. But when a mysterious wildcat miner named Gallo Glass not only saves his brother, but sets off to restore his town to its former glory. He puts a revitalized town people on a collision course uh, with Amcor, uh, a giant who's uh, uh, an energy giant whose relationship with Red Fork runs deeper than commerce. So, like, like on the surface, it just sort of seems like you know you're you're reading uh, a book about a, a small midwestern coal town. But what the, you know the, the horror that uh, is found within those coal mines is just. You know, it is something else. And I think what makes a good horror, this such a great horror story for me is that, you know, you've got your your supernatural, you know, demonic, you know, elements to it. The art is, you know, it's vicious when it needs to be, but it's also very relatable. You know, you could 
picture a small Midwestern coal, you know, mining town, you know, rife with opioid addiction and, you know, uh, poverty. Like that is a very real thing going on right now. It's I'm sure we know people who, you know, are, are dealing with opioid addiction, uh, addiction or things like that. So like there's that that relatable element to, you know, a horror story that I think just can resonate a little bit more can really impact you a little bit more and i it's been close to a year since i've read this and i still think about it and just you know the 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 emotional you know arc that these characters go through and and again another instance where the art is really you know uh you know you know vicious and gives you those strong horror vibes this is this is a book that when you when you read it like you you think about for a little bit afterwards you're like Mm -hmm. Holy smokes, that was heavy. What the hell did I just read? And I think I just shit my pants. This was part of the third wave for TKO Studios. And there were a couple books in there, a couple of the books in there. I was very excited for this. But Joe, like for this, the whole, the those three books. But Joe was on this one from the jump. He said, this is going to be the best one. And it absolutely was the best one of the bunch. It's, it's one of the best TKO books we've gotten so far. Are we just going to gloss over the fact that Joe just said he shit his pants? Shit his pants. Yeah. Oh, no, he's going to talk about that, right? He, he does all I mean, time, I did literally pull a John Anderson, but, you know. Yeah, Doc, you said you had it high on your list. You had it number one yeah. on your list. Fryer had it number seven. I haven't read it yet, but I'm definitely going to dive in. I'm, I'll, I'll try to read it this month. For also, those I have not read it. For those trying to get their hands on this one, it's tough to get at your local comic shop. You're more than likely going to have to order it um, through TKO Studios directly. And oh, if you okay. do that, I highly recommend picking up Sarah as well by Garth Ennis. That was one of the, my favorite books from there. Um, I was reading to the artist of this. He did a, he did a comic called Shirtless Bear Fighter. <laughs> I'm going to read that. Yeah, That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds pretty awesome to me. I like party. Uh, let's go to number five on our list of top 10 horror comics for Friars. Got this one. So we're going to go with another indie company, AWA Studios. We got Hotel. That's with two L's. This is by John Lees and Dalibor Talajic. Um, So we've only gotten one arc so far. The second arc is coming in December on December 1st. Um, four issues. So it's a really easy thing for you guys to consume. And what's so interesting about this series is, it's like an anthology series where, you know, the first, second, and third issues, you can kind of just read those and you'd be fine. But then the fourth one kind of tied – the fourth one, you'd have to have read some of the previous stuff. Um, however, throughout all of this series, you're seeing stuff tied together um, in a way where, like, if you read it all, you're going to appreciate it even more. Um, so you won't find it any find it on any map. But if you happen to be driving down Route 66 late at night, you're truly desperate for shelter – sanctuary or secrecy you might see a battered sign on the side of the road the periot courts hotel where many check in but few check out this scared the shit out of me and it was there was a lot of jarring images and this is another book that joe talked about on tldr i don't know if it was your first awa book but it's i i like this is such a in what, some ways, it's an easy read. Like, you're going to get through that shit fast. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, do you want to have the lights on while you read this shit? <laughs> yeah, because this because I saw a film. As I recall, it was a horror film. Yep. Because I was reading uh, Ice Cream Man at the time, which is an anthology series. Each book is, you know, an individual story. And some are, you know, very horror-like. Some are just kind of meta. And it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a good but sort of weird series, and I guess it kind of ties, you know, uh, you know, it ties together somehow. But I had mentioned I was reading this, and so someone said, "Go read Hotel," 
And so I'm reading it, and 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 again, the the imagery is off the walls. And the first three books, as Nick said, you read them, you think they're just individual stories, and then when you get to that last book, and it all comes together, it's just like, yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. So I, like, just, what if? I just picked it up, and so you could see nice oh, bookmark. Look at that! Look at that bookmark there. See, team player. Fuck yeah. And so the reason for the double L on hotel is if uh, the O and the T are out. And it's all lit up. It says hell. It's a passage to hell. Yes. So I've actually only read the first issue so far because I've been reading and I've been backed up on stuff. So I started today. I read the first issue and it's awesome. It's, it's, it might be the most messed up thing on the whole list. What did you think of that little demon baby? Hey, Davey, can I just ask you a question? Are we the only ones that have proper bowel movement? Because Keith's saying how he's backed up. Joe's shitting his pants over here. It's just I think I'm okay. Couple... I'm, I'm two, three a day sometimes. Okay, okay. so we're on the same page. Oh, I'm good. Okay. That can't right. possibly be good for you. <laughs> no, it's good. It, it's like it's like clockwork. <laughs> a good what firm poop? Today? What? What do you eat? I, I just, I get up in the morning and smell coffee. And I'm like, all right, here yeah. we go. Hey, sometimes that happens to me too. It's weird. Yeah. Well, it's like clockwork. Anyway, number four on the list. Let's go to Davey. Let's go to so this one. Oh boy, this is Scott Snyder and Jock uh, Witches. Why? Um, this one. So it's this nondescript town. It starts off, you know, a horrifying um, beginning scene with a mother and her son. And uh, like, I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, but it's a, it's a cool take on what a witch actually is. I mean, it clearly it takes place in some sort of like new England town. They don't say it's Salem. No, it's like, still New Hampshire. It's like, that's where yeah. yeah. How could I forget that? It's New Hampshire. Come on, man. It's New Hampshire. <laughs> so a girl named sailor uh, has had this troubled past and there's an incident with her and this girl named Annie. Um, and, all of a sudden these witches get involved, which are these humanoid spider like creatures that like live in trees who like eat kids. And it's just between Snyder's writing and Jock's artwork. This thing is, we, we talk nightmare fuel, like you mm -hmm. see some of these images in your nightmare. Yeah. Um, it is um, just a really, really cool, um, I don't want to say the word because if I, I hate it when people say the word, but I'm not going to say it. So um, the story goes somewhere and it's, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. What happens kind of at the end and how these witches are like coming after people, like the mechanism they use there is, is pretty awesome. So I know I'm being very cryptic, but I really want people to read this story and, and kind of. It's a very you know easy I mean. one to binge too. Cause it's only six issues and, yeah, right. uh, and yeah. jocks are, yeah, you, you can't say enough about him. I mean, he's, so he's done this. He's him and Scott are doing um, book of evil, which is coming out. I think middle of next year. He's what he told us. So, uh, you know, we got to wait a while for that, but he said that shit's really fucked up when we talked to him today. And then um, what's the other one? Oh, he did. Um, What's the uh, Batman who laughs. I know you didn't like that, that series, Keith, yeah. but his artwork on that. Oh, shit shock. Was... I love too. I'm, I'm, oh. yeah. Yeah, it's great. And you know what's funny? I believe uh, to show you sort of the where we're all coming from here, Witches, which comes in at number four, is the only unanimous selection on the, on the list. It's the only yeah. book that was on all four of our top tens. I mean, for me right now, my favorite current comic writer and artist on the same project. I mean, that's yeah. mm -hmm. a selling point enough for me. I love Jock's artwork and um, Scott Snyder to me is the best. Pro in this genre, Scott Snyder is probably the best one out there 
and I hadn't read this book up until a few weeks ago, until we, you know, uh, we were yeah. told we we're going to be doing this. I was like, well, I should, I should read this book Check because I know yeah, the cool. other guys like it so much. And I initially had it much higher on my list. And I think part of that was recency bias because I was fresh off of reading it. And then I'm like, no, wait, I got to flip it with this other book. And, and I'll talk about that, you know, in a, in a few moments. But this was, I mean, it's something else because I, because, because Jock's art is, it's unique. And it's it's, yeah. it's it's different than I think any other art. It's jarring. Artist. His shit, like it's like jarring, but also it's like it like like where Greg Capullo is like heavy metal. Like Jock can be like screamo. It seems like at times. That's the feeling I get from him. And you know what? Yeah. It kind of gives me that like scary stories to tell in the yes. tar- tell in mm-hmm. the dark vibe. Mm-hmm. Like I forget the guy Alan Schwartz. I forget the name of the guy who did the art Just in those mine. books, but. Yeah, my God, it has like that vibe to it. Which, no, it yeah, does. I'm it a does, sucker for. Sure. Yeah. All right, coming at number three on the list. It's funny because we have a whole bunch of these limited series. We just mentioned out witches has uh, six issues. Hotel, at least the first volume that's out is is very limited. Uh, we're going the other direction here at number three. The Walking Dead, 193 issues. It was written obviously by Robert Kirkman. Uh, and it started in 2003. It didn't end until 2019. And even then, it caught a lot of people by surprise. They, they didn't know if it was going to go. Were they trying to get to 200 issues? Were they trying to get past that? And Kirkman decided that this was the place to stop. It won the Eisner in 2007 and 2010. And, you know, it's not 193 amazing issues. But when Walking Dead is at its best, to me, it, it's some of my favorite comic book writing of any genre i loved it it uh i i i started with the tv show but then i then i turned to the comic and then read up and caught up and then surpassed where the book or where the show was i love it and i think what it does is it's clearly i mean with the zombies and everything it's clearly horror but this book more than maybe any other book it's the best of kind of leaving you with one page where like you get to the very last spot and then you know you're in for something as soon as you turn the page and it cuts to just like one giant photo of like a character that you love like getting killed or like something crazy happening with like one giant word and like a whole thing they crush it on that and the it's better than the show and the show had a few really 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 good seasons in there too but i highly recommend it i know it's a lot so but at least start it like at least Jump in at the beginning if you haven't read it and see if you like it. Uh, and it's different than the book or the show, too, where there might be certain things that you see one character do. And it's the same thing happens, but it happens to a different character. So they sort of do that a lot, too, so sort of keeping you guessing. Um, but I, I love it. This was actually number one on my list. And let's see, it was number two on Friar's list. So Friar, I know you like it a lot too. Yeah, it, it look, the thing about comics that, and why I actually have grown to appreciate the medium a little bit more than I do necessarily a show and sometimes a movie is it kind of is the happy medium between the two when it comes to tempo. With movies, sometimes you feel like, oh, I wish I could have gotten more unless it's fucking two and a half hours long. It's anything but Endgame. Um, and, then with, and, and then like with shows, sometimes it's like, okay, especially with The Walking Dead, it's like, all right, let's get this shit going. Like we, you know, we could have done killed this person off, you know, a while ago. And I feel like that's where comics, like you have a limited amount of space where you can do stuff, but also you can kind of jump around from one panel to the next, where a lot of time can transpire just between one panel to the other. Never mind one page to the next. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the Walking Dead comic 
has the advantage over the actual show. And the other thing is I think it's important for us to let the, the people know if they're going to go and read this. And if you liked the show, there is an important character who's featured on the show very prominently who's not in the comics, who's created for the show. And it was, it, you know, it's as someone who did the same thing as you, Rich, went back and read it after watching the show. It's very disappointing uh, to find that out. So, I, I mean, do we want, we should tell people who it is, right? Yeah, you could say it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Daryl, for those who don't know. I mean, the, pretty, much the best, yeah, pretty much the best character in the show. Yeah. He's not even in the comic, so. Yeah, and I haven't read this yet, and uh, because I remember when the show came out, I was just you know kind of getting back into comics, so I clearly hadn't read it then. And at hundred ninety something issues, it just seems too daunting to want to you know, pick up and and, and get yeah, it. Yes, so I I caught it at the right time where I believe the first uh, compendium or whatever was out, and so I was able to I was able to buy that huge thing and rip through that, and then be like, okay. But it was like an absolute page turner. Like it yeah, really yeah. was. And then I think similar to the show, they had a couple of volumes by the end where you're like, All right, what are we really doing here? Like it seems like we're just kind of running in place. And mm -hmm. then they actually kind of came to a conclusion. And I'm really curious to see what the show does. And that's why I got back in on the show, actually. Mm -hmm. It was kind of funny how that worked. Like the, the TV show brought me to the book, but then the book ended up bringing me back to the TV show. Yeah, that's how that works. And I kept reading it because it, so, it was going on for so long. It's kind of. Yeah, and for those like this is all black and white too. For those who don't know, and yeah. it's they're now redoing it all in color, so you can go and catch like you know catch up to where they're at in the color in black and white, and then go to color if you want to. So yeah. if you want to do the monthly instead of just binging it all at once, which I don't know why you wouldn't do that. I would say one of the main things for me is the uh, a lot of the villains are done better in the book. So mm. even just like Rick and like Michonne and some of them are good in both. Like the governor is a lot better here. Negan's a lot better here. And I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I'm just saying mm. like, it's easier to do it in comics than it I, is. I just largely think it's better in comics because like you're yeah. getting what the creator completely envisioned for the um, character. You're just going to lose stuff from the actor a little bit. And actually, they ended up doing some pro stuff, I think, for uh, The Walking Dead, too. Like uh, there's like a yeah, governor I, thing. I read the whole governor book and that was Did really you? boring. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm like, that's I, what I heard. That's how into The Walking Dead I was. I'm like, I'll read this book <laughs> i'll read a book without pictures it's tough yeah. about pictures man i'll tell you it was and it was pretty dull like there was one there was one kind of twist which i guess was like the maybe the selling point or like see like it was where it was worth reading for this one thing that you could have just told me like happened but so lazy all right let's go to number two on the list and back to doc so this is uh this is going to kind of spin off davy's book which is so uh coming at number two is the autumnal Written by Daniel uh, Krauss, uh, artist uh, Chris Sheehan, colorist Jason Wordy, and the letterer was Jim Campbell. And uh, so I, I flip flopped witches and the autumnal on my list last minute because, you know, after talking with Nick, I was like, you know, it started coming back to me a little bit more. And the first thing when I started reading witches, I said, this book has, a, has an autumnal vibe to it. They're, they're very similar stories. Uh, so following the death of her estranged mother, Kat Somerville, and her daughter, Sybil, flee to a difficult life uh, in Chicago for the quaint and possibly uh, pernicious town of Comfort Notch, New Hampshire. So, again... A couple of New Hampshire books. My yeah, God. NH representing Greenwich Day. And uh, <laughs> so, like, right away, you kind of get those vibes, and, and the, the, the town of Comfort Notch almost has that Stephen King kind of feel to it, like when you read a Stephen King book or watch a movie, like, you know, he sets his, his books there. And so... Very similar to witches in the sense that there's a lot of sort of like nature at play here, you know, in this book, uh, but a little bit more so in, you know, the autumnal, you know, as the name, you know, would suggest. And, and, and what, 
why I think I like this book a little bit better than Witches is, you know, while Witches had a lot more action, you know, at times, like the art was a little bit more, you know, vicious and, you know, the, the story and the characters were great. Like I felt like in Witches, like the ending was a like a little predictable. Not that like, oh, I called it way back when, but I kind of saw where it was going, you mm -hmm. know, and even though it's a nice little, you know, twist at the end, they're like, I kind of saw it coming a little bit. Whereas in the autumnal, you know, you've got this story of, you know, this daughter, you know, this, this mother and daughter moving back to the town uh, that she grew up in because uh, her mother had passed away, left her this house. And she had a very uh, difficult relationship with her mother. And, and as that unfolds, you learn more about the town and the mystery. And there's some weird shit going on. People are obsessed. with Don't touch the fucking leaves. Don't play in the leaves. And you <laughs> don't know why. And and then, you know, and then as you get through the series, this great mystery unfolds. You've got these badass characters. And then, you know, you find out how it ends and you're like, what the fuck? I didn't, you know, see that coming. And the character arc for the, you know, the main, you know, um, protagonist, uh, Kat Somerville, just like it's gut wrenching at the end. So like this book, like it did everything for me that a good horror book should do. It told a great story. It had great characters. It scared the shit out of me. Um, and, and it was just like, it, it brought all these emotions out of me, you know, at the end, just like, Oh, you know, and, and not to be like, you know, as a parent, but like, if you've got kids and you read this story, like mm -hmm. the, the, the shit that happens at the end, you're like, Oh man. And then, and so like, for me, this was just, this is why I had to like flip flop this and witches because it just had that extra juice in it that made this just a little bit better book for me. And I loved the main character too. Like she oh, was yeah. so good. The mom in this, yeah. and, and she was awesome. And I just read this because I I got both of your guys' lists, and it was number uh, three on Friars, and then Doc moved it up to number two. And I just so happened to be at Newbury Comics, and it was like they had like a display of like horror books, obviously for October, and it was mm. there. I'm like, all right, well, I gotta, I gotta buy this, obviously. And I just, I ripped through it in a day. I, I thought yeah. it was awesome. So, good thing you were at Newbury when you got it, because I got a little bit of information for you guys. This is on Screen Rant right now. The headline: The Autumnal is a comic so terrifying, Amazon won't market it. In the subhead, uh, the little the blurb, whatever, earlier this week, this is mid-September, Vault Comics released the autumnal in trade, but the cover is too scary for Amazon, which is refusing to market the book. So for those who don't know, it's from Vault. And the one thing I just want to add- oh, yeah, I'm looking at the cover right now, and that's, yeah, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. So to add off, off of that with what Joe was saying, like- the ending is like, oh shit, at the end for sure. It's a very good ending, don't get me wrong. But there's something that happens, and I think it's no, maybe the last issue, the second last issue, just before the ending. And and it's like that right there is like the difference. As much as I love witches, don't get me wrong, that's the difference right there between the two books, or at least the biggest difference, where I'm just like, oh fuck, really? Like you yeah. really you're gonna go that you're gonna like I was very much bought into it, and it's just I thought this was an out, this is an outstanding book, and the and the build up to that moment too was mm. it was paced perfectly. Like I said, like it doesn't have the action that witches has. Like witches has like mm. it's got those moments like you, you you'd equate them to jump scares in a movie, right? You know, where mm. Tumnal doesn't have many of those, but just right. the story, the way it's strung together, and then the way it, it just it's just perfect crescendo, and you say, oh. And yeah, eight issues is a really nice. Yeah. Yes. You can tell you can tell stories like you're not rushing it, but you're also not like kind of stretching it. It's a pretty good job. Um, before we get to number one on our list, I think the best way to do honorable mentions is I have everybody's list in front of me. So what I'll do is I'll just uh, I'll start with Davey and I'll go one through ten on his, and then the ones that we haven't discussed you can kind of hit on. 
Number right. one on Davey's list is our number one, so we'll save that. Uh, number two, Davey, you had the crow. The crow. So this is the first. I'm I'm not kidding. This is the first horror graphic novel I read as a kid. Um, once the movie came out, I was like 12 or 13, and I just became like fascinated with this movie. Um, from the movie itself to the soundtrack, I loved everything about this movie. So um, someone told me like, "Oh, did you know it was a comic book too?" And I went to Newberry Comics at the time and found it and picked it up and read it. And it was just like the artwork, the story, the violence, like everything about this was, was awesome. And this was one of the first, it was the first graphic novel I ever read. And one of the first independent comics, I had no idea. I thought everything was superheroes. I thought everything was Marvel DC. And then someone was like, no, you should read the crow. And I did. And, like to say that, like it, it didn't change my life, but it def- my life definitely went on a different path <laughs> after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that um, is a, that is a really interesting point you bring up because there is a time in our lives where you realize that it's not just Batman, Batman and X Men. Like growing mm-hmm. up, it was everything was either Batman, like Ozzy, the DC universe, and it's the Justice League, or everything's X Men and Avengers. And then you read something like The Walking Dead, or you read The Crow, or you read something you're like, oh, these are okay. These are also comic books. Got it. Yes. <laughs> so like the, the very first like independent comic book that I ever got my hands on, um, hmm. really was this. I mean, if you count Ninja Turtles, which was technically an independent comic, yeah, I right. read yeah, those. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, but this was this was one of the first. That's a cool yeah, one. Awesome For shit. me, it was Spawn. Yeah. That was the first indie book that came Good out. One. You know, with yeah. Spawn. Like, holy shit! You look at that cover. I got it hanging up on my wall. Um, just you know, McFarlane just burst onto the scene with that. Like, so good. Wait a second, that's not Wolverine. You know, those are that's not spandex. That's that's fucked up. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I don't know what my first indie book was, but Spawn I fucking love. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, uh, Davey, number three on your list is one that you had brought up as a pick of the pod one time. Yep. Uh, I've never read it. I, I bet these guys haven't either. Is uh, did you hear what Eddie Gein done? So this, so this book, um, one of my favorite comic artists and writers is a guy named Eric Powell who wrote, who wrote the goon. Um, he has another book called hillbilly, which is really, which is really good. Um, he kind of, um, I would have put the goon on my list. Uh, there are zombies and voodoo and like, but it's, it's kind of like pulp kind of yeah. thing. It's got like the, the why I oughta, you know what I mean? Not like sure. kind of vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this book I just read it and it's basically Eric Powell's telling of the story of Ed Gein, who is the, not the first serial killer in America. Cause who is that guy? H.H. Holmes, H.H. Holmes or something like that. Yeah. H.H. Oh, Holmes yeah, yeah, yeah. is also from New Hampshire. H. Right. H. Holmes. And then, but he murdered people in a hotel. I want to say Chicago. Yep. Chicago. Devil, Chicago. devil in the white city. If you've ever read that oh, book, that's yeah. it. But so, Ed Gein is the um, one that I think, most people would associate with it because he inspired Texas Chainsaw Massacre and right. Sounds of the Lambs, and like he he inspired all of those guys. So yeah. it's essentially a comic retelling of his life and what he did. So if you guys are into that, and again, check out Eric Powell. He's a guy that I'm sure if you guys wanted to get him on, he would be. If you read The Goon or read anything like that, he'd be more than happy to talk to you. So this uh, is he's cool funny. shit. So. That's funny actually because I remember when you talked about on Dork, and this the first thing I did was I looked it up. When does it come out? And I and I even think I sent Fryer a note, and Fryer goes, "This guy's not big big time enough for us to talk to him." But I, I <laughs> but I actually thought about like this yeah. would be like a cool this would actually be uh, maybe a cool person to talk to, you know. And yeah. uh, so it's I definitely a book that. that's on my queue. Yeah, um, so. he reminds me of, he reminds me of Wes Burho. Like he looks like Wes Burho. 
Oh, Eric Powell. So he's not as big, but like he looks like him. Can we just take a second to say that Joe's throwing me under the fucking bus here and he still hasn't even read the goddamn book? Get the fuck out of here. This Q, Friar. It's queued up. I really like Powell's art. I think it's really cool. So definitely check that out. Yeah, it looked like it looked like an awesome book. All right, Davey had 30 Days of Night at number four, which we already discussed. At number five, Hellboy. Yeah, I, this is one that I, I – see, the reason it was low on my list is I'm not sure which one to pick. I can't just pick like a whole – I mean, I was going to pick like a whole series, but like like you, like you um, Hellboy goes up and down, like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, Hellboy in Hell is really good. Um, Mike Mignola is awesome. Um, if the art is really come, fucked up on this. Sorry? this. The art is very yeah. weird in like the perfect way, and that's where I think they fucked up with this last movie. I felt like with the, the the last movie, I understand a lot of people had issues with it, but I felt like for the people who like the comics, they tried to do what they do in the in the comics with like the the visuals and everything, where it's kind of weird. But it's like that doesn't it doesn't translate well to the big screen. You got to do you know, kind of what they do with Perlman. And I would it's it's a um, he's kind of like a horror. Frank Miller. It's like mm -hmm. it's like horror Sin City in a way, if you're thinking about the art. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how I would best describe it. Mm -hmm. But Hellboy, I mean, that series is is really, really good. So yeah. Um, uh, so the one you had at number six, it wasn't on our list, and I didn't put it on mine just because I didn't read the whole thing. It was so dense. And but it deserves a mention for sure. And you just mentioned, or no, you mentioned Frank Miller, but Alan Moore's from hell. And this was this is I don't want to say slog. It's a, um, it's it's a long book about Jack the Ripper. Obviously, they did a movie. They did the Johnny Depp movie about it. Uh, but yeah, pick this. First of all, it's it's almost as long as like the entire Walking Dead series. It's it, it weighs about twenty pounds yeah. if you pick if you pick up the book. You can um, buy it. They have it in like all the different. You go to Barnes and Noble and find From Hell, and you need like help carrying it out. <laughs> it's it's it is dense. Just I mean, just like anything Alan Moore writes, it's something that there's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of words. Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of explanation that kind of goes into in the johnny depp heather graham vehicle <laughs> from hell hey, she was she was good in it <laughs> it was fine hot off hot off being roller girl she was in boogie nights mm -hmm. um so this is a movie that doesn't really do it justice and of course alan moore wanted nothing to do with it and hates everything hates everything and didn't want his name put on it and they didn't um but it was uh, not to ruin the. You find out who Jack the Ripper is. It's a guy who's who's brought in as a special kind of like, yeah, almost like um, not like a Constantine, but he's definitely like a psychic detective who gets brought in to kind of find out who Sherlock. I mean, uh, who uh, Jack the Ripper is. Mm. Um, and you find out, and it's actually yeah. a fucking pretty cool story. Well, a lot of it, like it's it's all it's very historic historical fiction because it's all like the real women who died. It's yep. all like real stuff. Now, again, the real Jack the Ripper, like that's the part where they sort of took a stab at it because we don't we still don't oh. know who the real Jack the Ripper is. Oh, stab at it. Yep. Yeah, I get it. Yep. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, Davy had witches at number seven, which we talked about, and then at number eight, I thought this was interesting because this is a book that we all love, but only you considered it horror, and I don't. I'm really not going to object to it. I just didn't put it on there. But you went with Preacher at number eight. So this is so this is it. I mean, there is this like, is does hell constitute horror, or yeah. does you know the the like demons and things like that? Like, where does Constantine? Where does I mean, City of Demons is 100 percent horror. 
Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're all huge fans of Garth Ennis and Preacher. And I just, there was enough supernatural there yeah. that made it a little bit horror. Now think of a show like, what's that show with the t- supernatural? Like, mm-hmm. is that a horror show? Yeah, probably. Is grim a horror show? You know what I mean? So like there's, there's that gray area of what mm-hmm. horror and horror and fantasy kind of, and sci-fi kind of blur each other's lines sometimes. Yeah. yeah there's like dark does fantasy. Perfectly. Yeah, it has dark fantasy. I didn't. Th- I didn't view it as horror. It's definitely jarring. There's a lot of fucked up shit in this. There's no doubt about that. I mean, but like the fucked up shit isn't just like scary, like you know, nightmare stuff. It's like you know, dudes fucking a chicken out here. Like right. you know, like There's legitimately, Nazis, yeah, like disfigured yeah. Nazis and like all the shit. Like it, it goes off Which the could rails. Haunt your really dreams quickly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I also feel, think I just future and like so we just did a uh, a dink on Midnight Mass, but I think like any kind of religious kind of vibe to it can easily pivot right into horror. Also, Midnight Mass oh. was so good. Midnight Mass is crazy. That that yeah. was a slow burn, but it was it was yes. great. And so many monologues in that thing in there. But I was like, I came. I, my wife was watching it. And I walked in. and I'm like, wow, this is like a soliloquy. Like this guy's it's, going off. It's a lot <laughs> yeah. of acting. It's a lot yeah. of. It's it was Matt Saracen. Of, uh, Matt Saracen was like the middle of this like twenty minute diatribe. I'm like, yeah, I can't well, I really memorize their lines. I'd be like, like you know who you know you know who couldn't be in that movie is Brendan Fraser or Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Didn't you take like a monologue? So you took like an acting class in college. I took two acting classes and I got A minuses in both. Wow, look at you! Wow, resident thespian. Uh huh. Pretty good. We did a David Mamet scene. I did a nice. David Mamet scene. I was yelling at a guy. Yes, uh, mostly David Mamet plays with just him, just someone yelling at somebody. I was yelling at a guy. I was like, guy that was, that was pretty aggressive. That was a fun one. And then I would still say we had to do uh, we had to do a scene with one other person, and it had to be w- without – you couldn't say a word, but you had to play a song, and you had to act out a scene. And oh. so my friend and I, uh, we were partners together. We did – what's the fucking Nirvana song? Uh, like – where the bad folks go when they die? Oh, they yeah. oh, like a fire. fire. It's actually a meat puppet song. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's not Nirvana. They covered well, it, but it's covered, okay. Yeah. So we did the Nirvana version of that song, <laughs> and we played Jenga <laughs> until my buddy fucked up the Jenga piece. He pulled out a gun, blew his brains out, and I cried over his body as the song was playing, like screaming "No, no!" as I was banging onto his body. <laughs> Pretty good. Wow. Anyway, that's uh, dark. Number moving. That was a horror scene, actually, is what we yeah. did. <laughs> 10 on Davy's list, which was also on my list, uh, Sandman or The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. And again, you're gonna have to read with, the, yeah. with this one. Um, I fucking love Neil Gaiman stuff, he's incredible. I, I do, Amazing. and I think I would have Sandman. I, I can't wait for this to come on Netflix. The, the trailer looked really good and looked real. The story they're gonna tell is the, the how Dream like comes to earth and like has to deal with all these people and, and um it's really fucking good like it's i love it really yeah I'm a, I'm a fan it was on my list so real quick my list the walking dead was number one uh what our number one is going to be it was number two on my list i went with batman arkham asylum at number three see this is one i considered as well yeah because when we did our batman one it like just missed my top 10 batman list but that's the one I was talking about at the beginning with the art is just so crazy. Yeah. It is it has so many horror vibes to me. So I went with that at three. I went Sandman four, Nailbiter five, Witches six, 30 Days of Night seven, the autumnal at eight. And Joe, 
I went Gideon Falls at number nine. Ah, ah right. Falls. <laughs> it's I like when you it's like when it's family movie night, and like, oh, we, let's pick, let's watch this movie. It's really good, and then no one fucking likes it. You just sitting there awkwardly. <laughs> Wait, you know, <laughs> no, I liked it. It was a story that caught me. I liked, I liked sort of like the the mystery story, like with it. Obviously, horror all around it, yeah. and like a lot of really scary images. But just the whole time. As the reader, you're trying to figure out how the fuck all this connects and where is this going. I thought they did a good job telling that story, so I like that one. And then a new one, definitely recency bias, might not be on my list uh, in another month from now. But I read The Dollhouse Family, which is a DC Black Label book. So it's like a one-shot, five, six issues, boom, boom. It's on Hoopla if you guys want to read it. And uh, Dollhouse Family was really... It's in, the, it's in like the Hill House. It's not yeah. written by Joe Hill, but it's in the Hill House uh imprint so that was my number 10 uh jo- uh docs he went uh red fork number one the autumnal number two hotel gideon falls for philadelphia witches nail biter number eight uh one we haven't talked about yet harrow county mm-hmm. yeah i love mm-hmm. i love cullen bun i mean he's i mean when it comes to horror he's the he's one of the first guys i think of and what's great about this is again i i just when it comes for me horror a lot of it is visual right and and you know the art i can't remember the artist's name but they, they it's almost water i think it's watercolor and just some of the imagery and that 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 sack of skin that that's always that sort of thing. following right the main mm-hmm. character around is that alone you know fuck me there's up a, and then there's a skin sack yeah sack of skin the old sack of skin that's like you know sentient you know it's just kind of you know moving around and yeah <laughs> uh, but like it's it's again it's all about story. It's all about character. And then you, when you add the visual aspect of it. So I, I, I absolutely love this book. Uh, number nine, you went with a, a book that was actually on my initial top 10. And then because I read extra stuff just for this episode, I got bumped out, but lock and key. Yeah, this was so Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love this book. The TV show stinks and they're coming yeah. out with another season. Woof. But yeah. just, you know, again, the art, the story, it's original, you know, it's uh, it's Joe Hill, which is Stephen King's son. So just like absolute awesome fantasy uh, horror book all around. And then number 10 on your list, I, I had the same thing as Philadelphia, where I didn't put it on there just because I it's not done and I haven't read it all. But something is killing the children at number 10. Yeah, th- I, this is probably my favorite or one of my favorite books of you know the the past year plus. James Tynan, he's tremendous at writing suspense. He's, you know, I put him right up there with Scott Snyder in terms of like crafting a story. I mean, I think Tynan was Snyder's student, uh, you know, yeah, uh, right. right. So he's just so good at creating suspense. Um, again, you know, the art, you know, you get these awesome scenes with you know monsters just biting children's heads off it's fucked up um but it's it's absolutely fantastic and yeah, and i like believe it. i believe at 20 issues like the main run is over now they're gonna be doing some side you know some spinoffs and stuff okay. like that so really that good and then yeah. friar went city of demons one the walking dead two the autumnal three hotel four philadelphia five and then one we haven't talked about number six crossed this is a garth ennis joint now they did stuff after the first 10 issues but the first 10 issues are garth ennis i'm going to talk about this look the doctober has been kind of weird for us because of the guests and everything like that and what we've been doing but um we're gonna i'm gonna do a horror book in november i have something else planned for next week but i'm gonna talk about this at length this shit is all kinds of fucked up. It, and like, there's a lot of deaths that are like, oh fuck. But like the, the thing is like the imagery is just like 
This is some of the most rancid shit I have ever seen in my entire life. Holy Dr shit. It's, it's, yeah, it's so <laughs> fucked up. I, 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 so th just to give you all like a, this should be the selling point, just like a tunnel. Okay. When I went to the time capsule over in Seacon where I buy my comics, this is on their horror list, right? And you have a bunch of different stuff. I picked up the red mother there, which was just on my, you know, just missed my list. This was in a bag. And it said adults only. It is the only book that says that. This is fucked up shit, man. So I'm looking at. Um, yeah, what are you looking at? I'm not going to show. I'll describe it to you. So I'm I'm looking at a grown man naked. Share it on the screen or no? Two children. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. We're suggested me <laughs> right there. <laughs> eating, eating a woman. Yeah, it's fucking bad, dude. And I haven't even apparently. So I've, so I've only read the first ten issues, and I will have read the uh, the second and third volume by the time we do the show. I was told that the third, like the second one's good, the third one's like th the best of the first three at least, and it's like all kinds of fucked up. And the first one, I'm telling you, the first ten just end this alone is like holy shit. And again, the covers of these things, you're like, good lord. Oh, let me show you. I'll show you guys one cover real quick. This is actually for the third one. Um, I don't know if, Back it if up. you can. Uh, yeah, the glare. Sorry, but yeah. the second one's a little bit better, but I can't right. find it. But it's like that old, like that old um, family, like the husband and wife with the pitchfork, it, it, and they got like. It, I'm not selling it well at that point, but the rest of it, it's just fucked up. Trust me. Uh. All right. Yeah. Uh, wow, wow. Hey, Jesus. one other one that I wanted to mention. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you guys, it's crazy. I took a shower after it. I read every I fucking issue. I don't issue. want to talk about it anymore. It looks like a fucking Guar album cover. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, there's one other one that I wanted to my my boy, Brian Azzarello. If you guys haven't so like 30 Days of Night, he has a a four volume set uh called Moonshine. Yes, which yes. is a Story set during the time of prohibition, and the bootleggers are werewolves. Yeah, so, Moon, that, so moonshine has that double meaning. I like it. I like it very much. So, yeah, I got. I, I have the first volume of that. I got to read that shit. I think I'm gonna do it on the show at some point for sure. It's all right. Good. And then uh, Fryer went with Red Fork at seven. Something is killing the children. Eight, which is nine. And then his number ten is our number one. So Davy, without further ado. So this one, I can't believe it wasn't on all of our lists. Doc did not have it on there. Yeah, only on there. because I haven't read it. Only because I haven't read it. Well, oh, Doc, okay. you need to read yes. as soon as we hang up this call. It's Scott all, Snyder's American Vampire. Ready to go. It's so it good. It is so good. Now, now, not only is it good, a, a great vampire story, which is multi-layered, the characters are great. The artwork is great. Stephen King is involved with, I think, the first two volumes. Yeah, he writes like an intro and then he writes something else, I think. But yeah. And so basically it's the this idea that vampires have existed for thousands of years, right? And each it's funny that like each area of the world, the vampires are a little different. Um, which then um leads to these American vampires, and the two main characters are two there's three main characters, and they're all American vampires. Um what's her name? Um Pearl. Pearl. Pearl Jones. Sorry, I was I, I, Pearl being the main character, and it kind of starts with her story being in like the golden age of Hollywood, and you know uh, just the predatory nature of that. Seven years before the Harvey Weinstein story broke, Scott Snyder is writing about like this allegory about the predatory nature of Hollywood with yeah, like this young actress. struggling actress, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and and she gets attacked by these vampires, and the the second vampire we meet who saves her saves her, 
by turning her into a vampire mm-hmm. is Skinner Sweet, which is probably one of my favorite comic book characters ever. He used he's to be a piece be, of shit. Yeah, he used to be a real piece of shit. Slicking back hair and everything. And, and really it's good. such a cool story because he's such the four, because Pearl is desperately trying to hang on to her, her humanity. And Skinner is just embracing this whole yeah. vampire power thing. So what if you had a, like Billy the Kid turned into a vampire? he looks a little bit like steven dorf a little bit he does he yeah. does and to see skinner <laughs> in different eras of america yeah it's awesome and to see the vampires operate in different because it goes for it starts in the 1800s and goes to like i think the last one was 76 yeah the recent one is 76 the most so re- i haven't read any of the recent one i've read everything but that but i that, believe I, that trade's coming out in december i'm planning on i haven't caught up on it but i plan on doing something on uh, tldr for that it's for you 10 issues right like it's a pretty yeah. it's a good amount of stuff so. and it's mm-hmm. it's i think it's one of the most like perfectly written vampire stories yeah because it, again it's drawn against like the this um idea of america and how america was founded by like incredible violence mm-hmm. and the vampires kind of are a mirror holding up a mirror to that mm-hmm. um and it was kind of awesome to yeah, read so again the first... like historical fiction and and things like that i mean it's it's great yeah and rafael albuquerque does the art and it's uh very unique it's very good and so the first five issues they sort of broke the story into two parts and snyder wrote one part of it stephen king wrote the other and then from there snyder wrote the the rest of it and it's funny because i think the first thing i read from snyder ever and we talked about during the batman episode was the black mirror Mm -hmm. and then from there i think i read all of his batman stuff and then i was like oh well this guy's just great like let me read this other so then that's when i read like witches i read all of american vampire he had a book called severed which was like decent these ones all that we talk about are all better but severed's good I just read The Wake, the one that Fryer talked about. Oh, that was fucking awesome. That was pretty good. I mean, really, everything the guy writes is good. And he has a good balance between writing superhero stuff and then uh, horror stuff. But then this book sort of combines the two in a way, right? Because they're not your traditional heroes, but like they find stuff for them to do. And then Mm -hmm. a guy like Skinner Sweet, where he's kind of balancing the two a lot and he's just a horrible guy yeah sneaky good guy no he's a horrible guy it's like it's yeah <laughs> oh he's gonna be helpful here no he's a piece of shit still yeah he's doing yeah, sloppy I, steaks yeah i had uh i had every um i tried really hard to squeeze the first five issues of this book in before we came on tonight i just shit yeah. came up but I, I couldn't do it but i've i mean this is one that i know i should have read just mm-hmm. like sandman like i should have read uh you know by now and because I mean, I celebrate Snyder's entire catalog and how this would escape me. This exactly. beyond me, but I mean, it just—I mean, it just sounds fantastic. He's such a good writer. The way that Snyder, you know, he layers his story, you know, and like from issue to issue, like he'll he'll start off with something, and then the way he circles back to it, and and the way he just sort of paces and plots his stories is is unlike any other. And I would like to say, in terms of perfect casting, I think if you if I'm a casting director, and I think the movie rights have been bought for this almost all of scott snyder's books have, have been, been had bought. i mean dude he did an undiscovered country before the first issue came out and that was already option for i think a movie is what it was in the end. Yes. Yeah. Wow. my perfect casting for skinner suite would be ben foster oh ben foster would be good so not steven dorf not steven dorf it would be ben That's foster a crime. hell or high water he played angel and x-men <laughs> yeah, yeah in, no, I know uh, was foster. alpha dog 
he was kind of badass in. He played the guy in uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher that got like his lip ring ripped out. Oh, he was also he was also in Thirty Days of Night. He's the guy from Louisiana who oh, comes yeah. to Alaska to warn them. How about this American Vampire? You can get the Omnibus. It came it came out on Halloween, two thousand eighteen. It's nine hundred and eighty four pages. Jesus. Yeah, hey, but you know what? The thing about this is it reads really quickly it for the most does. part. Um, and yeah. I had this so low on my list because this is when I talk about how like, yeah, it's definitely a horror book and it's really, really fucking good. But when we talk about like a horror book, like I kind of care most about does this is this scare me shitless and it doesn't. Like it just like it's yeah. really good. Don't get me wrong; it's an easy read, but I don't get that vibe necessarily from this. Maybe that says more about me than anything else. I don't oh. know. Prior. It could also be like, I mean, there's vampire fatigue right now. I mean, like with there's a lot of that, but I also think there's a difference, and it's it's all up to you because I know you guys were like, so what do you mean by it? I'm like it's whatever it's whatever you want horror comic to be, because some might be, and and I looked at this the same way I looked at movies. My list of movie ten scariest movies or 10 best horror movies are different lists. Yes. Yep. That's like fair. Scream doesn't really scare me anymore or maybe it never did, but like, I love it. It's my number did it one. Ever scare, I didn't think that scared anybody really. <laughs> I Scream, Scream scared scare you, Joe? <laughs> Scream? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was a good scare. <laughs> Scream? Well. I think I would, I would say at one point I was startled, but not scared. I jump, I jump at fireworks. I, jumped. I remember streaming a video game that you weren't even playing that you couldn't yeah. watch. Yeah, that well, that was fucked up with the with the <laughs> babies crying. Right, that was that was traumatic for everybody. All right, that's an awesome list. So just to uh, recap it real quick, number ten was City of Demons. Number nine, Thirty Days of Night. Number eight, Philadelphia. Number seven, Nailbiter. Number six, Red Fork. Number five, Hotel. Two L's. Number four, Witches. Number three, The Walking Dead. Number two, The Autumnal. And number one. American Vampire. That's a pretty good list. Damn good Damn list. Damn good list. Very um, happy. Where can people listen to the podcast, watch the podcast, check out your interview with Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and everything else you do? Uh, so you can uh, follow TLDR on Twitter at TLDR underscore pod, uh, and you can find us on all platforms, uh, Instagram. Uh, now we're on the, the YouTube. We're not on RedTube yet, but we're working on it. We're on TikTok. Uh, we're on TikTok, uh, TLDR underscore podcast, Instagram. So follow us there. We'll have our Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo interview dropping uh, tomorrow, which we had an absolute blast with those guys. If you don't want to wait for the audio to drop, make sure you guys go watch that. And, of course, you can find Joe on Twitter and Twitch at Backcracker. We also do all our episodes on to, on Joe's Twitch as well. Um, you can find me at Fry underscore Guy 1. And also I do want to say that the next – the only mainline issue that we're doing this month for TLDR because we had the Omnibus earlier in the month. We have the solicitation at the end of the month. I am going to be talking about another horror book that only had four issues, and it's fucking terrifying. But this is going to be more of an ongoing thing, it seems like, from Aftershock bunny mask this shit gave me goosebumps every goddamn issue and i i could put it on the list but i need because i need to see this like at least one more arc from this to, to comfortably put it there but it absolutely was up for consideration Where so, have i heard i've heard about this like i feel like we talked to somebody who recommended look, it to look us. at the cover art the cover i've art tweeted it out davy so i saw it from these guys on either twitter or instagram and i saw just the cover and i was like holy Stop. It's dude, every fucking yeah. issue. It's like all oh, goosebumps. Yeah, for real. I gotta, read, I gotta read this. That fucking oh, that that character. I'll talk about it more next week, but I wanted to plug that too. It's not like Donnie Darko, is it? It's not like <laughs> the fucking Donnie Darko. <laughs> uh we <laughs> you'll have to listen next week to 
<laughs> All right, I'll check it out. I'll definitely check that out. Uh, as for us, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at Dork Podcast. You can subscribe and like and do everything you can on, on all those. Uh, Dorktober rolls on. Halloween kills next week. We'll be talking about that. And we'll probably do a dink on DC Fandome as well, which I'm sure there'll be some uh, comic book news for you guys to, to hammer out too. I'm going to try and live tweet that as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Davey, any final thoughts? No, man. Okay, cool.